Look at Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. I want to stop right there for just a moment because last week I mentioned to you that Satan declares war on us after we are baptized. And I will hold to that statement. He hates it when we make a commitment to Jesus through Christian baptism. So he will do everything that he can to tear us away from that commitment. He works overtime to bring us down. He is tireless and he is relentless. You remember, Jesus has just been baptized by John the Baptist in the Jordan River. He was not baptized for the remission of his sins. Rather, he was baptized to fulfill all righteousness. That's how Matthew chapter 3 ends. And here we are into Matthew chapter 4, and the very first verse gives us a tidbit of information that I don't want to gloss over because we're, we're suspecting as, as it is, as his, his custom with Satan's custom, there's going to be a war that's going to take place. Jesus has just been baptized. But this first verse in chapter 4 says, The Spirit of God led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. That sounds to me like the Spirit is actually leading Jesus to be the aggressor in this battle. He's not waiting for Satan to come to him. Rather, he is going out by the Spirit's leading, and he is looking for the devil, and he is saying to the devil, Come on, buddy. Bring it on, big boy. You have something to show me. I have something to show you. Jesus came to this earth to do battle with the evil one, and he did not plan on losing that battle. 1 John chapter 3, verse 8 says, The Son of God appeared for this purpose, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14, has a very similar passage. of It's a very similar message. It says, Since the children have flesh and blood, in other, we're the children... We are the ones who have flesh and blood. It says he, Jesus, shared in their humanity so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil. Jesus came to fight the devil and to win. And praise the Lord, he did win that battle. For a moment, let me just talk with you very straightforwardly about our enemy. He is very real. Peter said that he is on the prowl like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. You, you do know that he was once an angel in heaven. In fact, he was a very beautiful angel, the scripture says. And that may have been a part of his problem. Maybe he looked in the mirror too many times and he became self-centered. He became consumed with himself and he concocted a plan to try and overthrow the government of God. He wanted to ascend to the throne, the scripture says. But God threw him out along with one-third of all of the angels who had joined him 
in that effort to overthrow God. They could not stand up to the power and authority of God. So, in order to get back at God, Satan and his cohort began attacking God's most precious creation, mankind. And their goal was summed up in the names that are assigned to their leader. In Revelation chapter 9, Satan is called Abaddon, which means destruction, and Apollyon, which means destroyer. Satan's mission is to destroy you. Speaking of names, there are a number of names in Scripture that are attributed to Satan that if we look at at those names, we might understand him better. In Matthew 4, verse 1, we've just read it, he is called the devil. And we know of this devil, we've spoken of him all through our, our life, we understand who he is, but do you understand what the name devil means? It means slanderer, false accuser. And perhaps that is why he is also called the accuser of the brethren in Revelation chapter 12, verse 10. He is constantly pointing his finger at us and he is condemning us. He is slandering us. He has nothing good to say about any of us. He hates you and he hates me. He is quick to point out to us everything that we have ever done that is wrong, and he will tell us that we are no good. He will say to us, you are not loved. How could God love such an evil person as you? You are worthless, he will say. You cannot be forgiven. You cannot be used by God. He slanders us. And he lies to us. That's why Jesus called him in John 8, 44, the father of lies. And he's called a murderer in that passage of scripture. Over in 1 Peter, he is called our adversary. He is standing against us. He he is opposed to us, brothers and sisters. He has no good in his mind for you or for me whatsoever. And here in Matthew chapter 4, verse 3, we're going to look at this verse in a little bit. He is called the tempter. He is the source of all temptation. God doesn't tempt us. That's what James says. But Satan does. Satan is the source of every temptation that we face. He entices us. He lures us, hoping to pull us into sin. He wants us to give in to our lust, and turn away from the one who loves us the most. Let me read verse 2. And after he had fasted, this is Jesus, after Jesus had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he then became hungry. 40 days of fasting and praying and doing battle with the evil one. Mark's gospel and Luke's gospel indicates that this battle between Jesus and Satan was an ongoing battle for this entire 40-day 
period. Now, if you read Matthew's gospel, you could almost get the impression that the fasting and and praying uh, for 40 days took place, and then the devil came, and there was this this season of temptation. But, but, But I think as you lay all three gospels and read them side by side, you read from Matthew and Mark and Luke, you, you, you get this sense that this, this battle between these two superpowers, Jesus and Satan, it was an ongoing battle the entire 40 days. And Luke, he gives us a little tidbit of information about Jesus being full of the Holy Spirit. He wasn't just led there into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He was full of the Holy Spirit. And he was going there for the purpose of doing battle with Satan. And his intention was to overcome Satan. Can you imagine 40 days without food? I was thinking... The longest fast that I've been on is three days, and that was a real challenge to me. And just from that short of a time, I I understood that the battle is not here. The battle is here. Because we are programmed just every few hours, we think it's time for me to eat again, whether we're hungry or not. And so Jesus went for 40 days without food for the purpose of giving himself to the Father, praying to the Father, and being filled up with the Holy Spirit. And and know this for sure. He was in complete control of his mind and body. He was in the driver's seat. His stomach was not in the driver's seat. And this point that Luke adds about Jesus being full of the Holy Spirit, not only is he led into the wilderness by the Spirit, but he is full of the Holy Spirit. The word full means completely covered. The Holy Spirit was living inside of him and had permeated every part of his being. And the Spirit is helping Jesus do battle against the evil one. And the Spirit is helping Jesus with this fast. He was not doing this all by himself. He had the Spirit's power and the Spirit's presence inside of him. And Matthew says, at the end of the 40 days, Jesus became hungry. That simply means that every bit of stored up fat and energy that was in Jesus' body had been used up in this 40-day fast. And now it was time for Jesus to eat or else he would begin to starve. And by the way, some question the possibility of a person being able to go without food for that long. Jesus is not the first who has gone on a 40-day fast. Nor has he been the last. In the Old Testament, Elijah went on a 40-day fast, and so did Moses. And there are accounts that you can read of in modern-day history of people who have gone on 40-day fast. It is possible. Let me read verse 3 to you. And the tempter, Satan, came to him and said... 
If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. Don't you just sense the craftiness of the evil one here? He is so smart to hit us at our weakest point. He is saying to Jesus, why don't you just turn these stones into bread? Jesus has just gone 40 days without food, and now he's hungry. And Satan is saying to him, just give in to your flesh. Has he ever said that to you? (laughs) You bet he has. All the time he says that to us. He comes with a temptation, and he's saying to us, in essence, just give in to your flesh. He knows our point of weakness. And that's where he will hit us the hardest. And he loves to dangle the flesh in front of us. And that is why so many fall to immorality and so many fall to pornography. The flesh has such a strong pull. And if we are not careful and if we are not filled up with the Spirit of God, we will find ourselves enticed and lured into the lust of the flesh. David is a good example of that. He gave in to the flesh. E, the first woman, is another good example of that. She gave in to the flesh. She saw the fruit that was good for food, so she sought to gratify her flesh. It didn't matter what God had said. What mattered was what she wanted. She took the forbidden fruit and she ate it and her relationship with God was severed. I will point out to you that when we become all about ourself and what we want and what we think looks good, we're headed for a downfall. But thank God Jesus was not about himself. Let me read verse 4 to you and we'll see how Jesus handled this particular temptation. Satan has said, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become bread. Verse 4, but he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And we'll talk more about this later, but, but you see, he answered the temptation with a scripture. He used the word like a sword, and he resisted the temptation to give in to the flesh. Now, I'll read on in the text, and I will deliberately move just a little bit faster through these next two temptations, because as the sermon ends, I want to talk with you about how you and I can overcome the temptations that we face. Let me read to you verses 5 through 7. Then the devil took him into the holy city and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, On the other hand, it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Have you noticed how these first two temptations have started out the same way? Satan says, if you are the son of God, turn the stones into bread. If you are the son of God, jump down from here to there and God's angels will bear you up. Jesus didn't have to prove to the devil who he was. 
Nor did he have to get to the, into the theatrical to get a crowd to follow him. He would not give in to Satan's agenda. Rather, he would stay with God's agenda. And again, you notice, he answered the temptation with a scripture. Verses 8 and 9. This is the third temptation. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. You know what I get from that? Just this simple truth that Satan's promises are empty. He can promise you all kinds of things that he cannot give to you. He will promise you life. But in reality, what he can give to you is death. He will promise you a joy ride and so much happiness. But in reality, what he will give to you is misery and brokenness. Now, it may be good for a while. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 25, talks about the passing pleasures of sin. In other words, sin can be fun for a season. But once he has you fully in his grasp, that's when the anvil will drop on your head. That's when the, when the floor will be brought out from underneath you. And you will find out that he has duped you. He has lied to you. He has deceived you, and all of his promises are empty, empty promises. And you will find out that the promise that is true is what Jesus said about him, that he wants to bring destruction to you. And for evidence of that, just look around you. There are people everywhere who have bought into his empty promises and their lives are shipwrecked and they are full of despair and they have no hope and they have no reason to live. Do not buy in to his empty promises. This, these promises that, that if you go for the fast life, if you get into the things of the world and, and you accumulate all of this, this stuff that it's going to bring to you happiness, don't buy into that promise because it is an empty promise. He cannot fulfill that promise to you. And that's what he was promising Jesus. Just bow down. Bow down to me, and I will give you all of this stuff, all of the world. And again, Jesus answered the temptation with a scripture. Let me read to you verse 10. Then Jesus said to him, Go, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. At this point, Satan had had enough. Let me read to you verse 11. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and began to minister to him. Interestingly, as Luke writes in, in his book, this same account, he adds a little phrase that is worth mentioning. He says in Luke 4.13, When the devil had finished every temptation... He departed from him until an opportune time. The devil wasn't finished with Jesus yet. Oh, yes, he had lost this battle. But he would come back. 
he would wait for another opportune time and he would strike again. And that is exactly how the devil is. He is so opportunistic, he waits, he lurks, he prowls, and he will not be late. When an opportunity arises to tempt you, he will be right there on top of his game. And his mission is to bring you down and to destroy you. So for a few minutes, let me mention to you some ways that we can overcome temptation. And yes, you heard me right. We can overcome temptation. First Corinthians chapter 10 Verse 13 says, no temptation has overtaken you except that which is common to man and God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape so that you may be able to endure it. If you don't have that verse marked in your Bibles, you ought to mark it there. And you ought to learn that verse and go to that verse often. Because it tells us that we can overcome temptation. Jesus did. And he wants to give to us that same victory. First of all, you want to overcome temptation? You have to hide God's word in your heart and then use it like a sword that should be sword against the devil. You use it like a sword against the devil. Psalms 119, 9 through 11 says, How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to thy word. With all my heart I have sought thee. Do not let me wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I treasured in my heart that I might not sin against thee. You want to overcome temptation? Then get into the word of God and use it like a sword against the devil. James 4 says that if we resist the devil, he will flee from us. And one of the ways that we resist him is through this book right here that we get into this book and we use it against him. He cannot stand the word of God. He cannot stand against the word of God. When you start quoting scripture, Satan will run from you. If he tempts you to worry... Start quoting scripture. If he tempts you to become angry and out of control, quote scripture to him. If he tempts you to be bitter or greedy or selfish, start quoting scripture to him. If we're going to be quoting scripture, you know what that means? That means we're going to have to get into the book. We're going to have to become a student of this book. And that is my challenge to you. Because sometimes we're inclined as Christians to not be very good students of this book. We just leave it lay. We don't pick it up. We don't devour it. We don't get into it. My challenge to you today is to get into the Word of God. Treasure this book. Love this book. Spend time in this book. Become the student of this book that God wants you to be. 
Too often, we're busy with other things. We give our attention to Facebook. We give our attention to our phone. We, we give our attention to the TV. We, we're, we're running here and running there, and we are so busy with our own schedule of what we need to do or what we want to do. Why not discipline ourselves and make sure that we become the students of this book that is going to help us in our battle against the evil one, this very one who wants to bring us down? That's how Jesus overcame temptation. He was tempted to turn the stones into bread, and he said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. He quoted directly from the book of Moses, the book of Deuteronomy, and that's the verse he used as a sword against the evil one. He was, quote, he was, he was uh, tempted to jump off of the temple and just let God's angels bear you up, Satan said. And Jesus answered him, it is written, you shall not test the Lord your God. Uh, again, he quoted scripture directly from the book of Deuteronomy. And by the way, did you note in the text that Satan was quoting scripture? Satan was quoting Deuteronomy too. But if you look at it closely, he left some words out. And that is exactly what Satan will do to us. He is so sly. He is so, so deceptive. He'll quote scripture to us and he'll try to convince us with this book that, that it's okay to do this or to do that. But when he starts quoting scripture, invariably he will leave something out. He will add something to it. He will twist it a little bit. There was a third temptation. He invited Jesus to bow down before him. And if he would do so, he would give to him all the kingdoms of the world. And again, Jesus quoted scripture saying, You shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. You want to be really serious about overcoming temptation? Then get into the word of God. Let me give to you a second point. You want to overcome temptation? Be filled and led by the Spirit of God. I pointed that out to you earlier from the Gospel writers. Jesus was filled and led by the Holy Spirit. And we need to, do, we need to have that leading and that filling as well. The same Spirit who was available to Jesus is available to you and me too. Romans chapter 8, verse 13, Paul is writing to the church at Rome. He says, for if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Another passage, Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. He says, but I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. Hear me, brothers and sisters, you don't have to give in to the flesh. 
We should instead be filled up with the Holy Spirit. We should ask God for His filling. We should long for the Spirit's filling. We should desire the Spirit's filling. We should want Him as much as a thirsty person wants a drink of water. Invite the Spirit to be in control and on the throne of your life. Don't, don't have this concept of the Holy Spirit is, yes, He's inside of me, but He's in this, this little corner that's reserved for Him. And on Sunday morning, I'm going to bring Him out and He's going to be a part of my life. But as soon as church is over, I'm going to send Him back to His corner. No, that's not how it works. The Holy Spirit is to be in us. He is to be filling us. He is to permeate every part of our being. And He is to help us with our eyes and what we are looking at. He is to help us with our mind and what we are thinking about. He is to help us with our tongue and what we say. He is to help us with our hands and our feet and where we go and what we do. He is to help us in those trigger moments where we would react with anger. He wants to bring control to us. And when we go through trials, the Holy Spirit wants to be there to help us through those trials, to bring comfort to us and to bring strength to us. He wants to be a part of your life to a point that every aspect includes him. Paul said it this way in Ephesians 5.18. Don't be drunk with wine, for that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. You know what I think? Sometimes we as God's children are more concerned about the Spirit's than what we are about the Spirit. Do you get what I'm saying there? The spirits, the wine, the alcohol. We, we sometimes are more concerned about that than what we are concerned about the Holy Spirit sitting on the throne of our life and ruling us and helping us. We need him if we want to overcome temptation. Let me give to you a third point. Pray and then pray some more. Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days praying and fasting as he did battle with Satan. I cannot emphasize to you too much the importance of prayer if you want to win against temptation. We must rely on him and we must be connected to him if we want to win this battle. Do you remember what Jesus said to Peter in the Garden of Gethsemane? He said, keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Oh, how weak the flesh is and how great our need is to pray. And so as we pray with this battle in mind that we are engaged in, let's pray for strength. 
Let's pray for wisdom. Let's pray for the Holy Spirit to fill us. Let's pray for God to go before us and to help us. Pray for his victory to be your victory. Pray the word. As you read the word, turn around and pray the word. Spend time in praise to God and thanksgiving to God. Confess your sins to God. The more prayerful you are, the more like God you will become. Prayer will keep you from sin and sin will keep you from prayer. Let me ask you this. Have you ever spent some time fasting and praying, asking God to help you be an overcomer against the evil one? I'm not talking, if you pray, have you fasted for 40 days? I'm just talking, have you fasted at all? Have you fasted for one day for the purpose of asking God to help you in this battle that you are in? against the evil one. Number four, you want to overcome temptation? In the name of Jesus, tell the devil to leave. Did you note that from verse 10? Jesus straightforwardly told the devil to get lost. He said, be gone, Satan. The New American Standard Version from which I'm reading, I think he used the word, Go, Satan. The NIV says it this way. Away from me, Satan. The New Living Translation says, Get out of here, Satan. Talk straight to him when he is tempting you. But be sure to use the name of Jesus as you command Satan to leave. You and I have no authority over the devil. But Jesus has all authority over the devil. And so if we want to send the strong man away, we have to use the name of the stronger man, Jesus Christ. Leave me alone, Satan. Get out of here in the name of Jesus. Every one of us here are involved in this spiritual battle and the enemy has his sights set on you. But I have good news for you today. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. This is a winnable battle. In fact, Jesus has already won the battle. We simply need to get on board with Jesus. You want to overcome temptation? Then get into the Word. Take it seriously. Become a student of God's Word and use it like a sword against the evil one. You, you want to overcome temptation? Then pray and, and seek God's Spirit to fill you up. And tell the devil to get out of here in the name of Jesus. Do we always win? No. 
We fall short. Every one of us. We sometimes do give in to the flesh. We sometimes do give in to the the lust of the eyes or the boastful pride of life. We give in to sin. But Jesus' grace covers our sins if we are on His side. Now, if you're, if you're not on His side, if you have never surrendered your life to Jesus, then you are standing on your own against the evil one, and you have no chance against Him, and you will pay for your sins. But if you are God's child, if you have surrendered to Jesus Christ, you have victory promised to you, and you have forgiveness promised to you for when you fail. And thank God for that. Let's pray together. God, I thank you for your son Jesus. I thank you for his great grace that he paid the price for our sins. Lord, if there's one person here today that has never said yes to Jesus, or just we're crying out to you for that person's soul. But for all of us, Lord, help us to, to hear this message and to be encouraged by it. We can win over temptation through Jesus. So help us to do our part And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.